April 20th. And now we turn our attention to the New Testament, where we'll be reading today in the book of Luke, chapter 20, verses 1 through 26. And here's what's going on there just before we actually read the text. In spite of their evasive and hypocritical reply, the leaders could not escape the past. You see, they had rejected the ministry of John the Baptist, and that led to their refusal to trust Jesus Christ. You may forget your decisions, but they will not forget you. You may even try to bury them, but they will be resurrected to accuse you. Sir Winston Churchill said, Truth is incontrovertible. Panic may resent it, ignorance may deride it, malice may distort it, but there it is, the truth. It is incontrovertible. Well, they uh, could not escape future judgment, these Pharisees, these teachers of the law. They would reject the sun and the stone, and that would bring about their ruin. Christ either saves you or judges you, and there is no middle ground. It, It does not exist. The leaders even failed to escape present responsibility. See, in asking Jesus trick questions in an effort to try to trap him, uh, they hoped he would say something they could accuse. But his answers only exposed their folly and increased their guilt. They were fighting a losing battle and would not surrender. Very foolish on their part. And with that, we begin today's reading from the New Testament. April 20th, Luke, chapter 20, verses 1 through 26. One day, as Jesus was teaching and preaching the good news in the temple, the leading priests and teachers of religious law and other leaders came up to him. They demanded, By whose authority did you drive out the merchants from the temple? Who gave you such authority? Let me ask you a question first, he replied. Did John's baptism come from heaven, or was it merely human? They talked it over among themselves. If we say it was from heaven, he will ask why we didn't believe him. But if we say it was merely human, the people will stone us because they are convinced he was a prophet. Finally, they replied, We don't know. And Jesus responded, Then I won't answer your question either. Now Jesus turned to the people again and told them this story. A man planted a vineyard, leased it out to tenant farmers, and moved to another country to live for several years. At grape-picking time, he sent one of his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers attacked the servant, beat him up, and sent him back empty-handed. So the owner sent another servant. But the same thing happened. He was beaten up and treated shamefully, and he went away empty-handed. A third man was sent, and the same thing happened. He too was wounded and chased away. What will I do? the owner asked himself. I know. I'll send my cherished son. Surely they will respect him. But when the farmers saw the son, they said to each other, Here comes the heir to this estate. Let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they dragged him out of the vineyard and murdered him. What do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do to those farmers? Jesus asked. I'll tell you. He will come and kill them all, and lease the vineyard to others. But God forbid that such a thing should ever happen, his listeners protested. Jesus looked at them and said, Then what do the Scriptures mean? The stone rejected by the builders has now become the cornerstone. All who stumble over that stone will be broken to pieces, 
and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the teachers of religious law and the leading priests heard this story, they wanted to arrest Jesus immediately, because they realized he was pointing at them, that they were the farmers in the story, but they were afraid there would be a riot if they arrested him. Watching for their opportunity, the leaders sent secret agents pretending to be honest men. They tried to get Jesus to say something that could be reported to the Roman governor, so he would arrest Jesus. They said, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right and are not influenced by what others think. You sincerely teach the ways of God. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to the Roman government or not? He saw through their trickery and said, Show me a Roman coin. Whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, he said, Give to Caesar what belongs to him, but everything that belongs to God must be given to God. So they failed to trap him in the presence of the people. Instead, they were amazed by his answer, and they were silenced. Hey, this is Dion up here at Phase 2. Um, I just want to thank God for everything that's going on in my life right now, the family restoration. Um, this place is amazing, the things it'll do for you. Um, for the brothers at the farm, I particularly want to say to you, um, hang in there, give this place a chance. I know there might be doubts, there might be questions. Give it all to God, and He'll answer it for you in the ways that you wouldn't expect. Um, all the brothers in Phase 3 in Columbus and Phase 4, um, thank you for everything, for the words of wisdom that you've given me. The coordinators here, Sean, Nate, and Evan, thank you. And um, can't wait to get to Phase 3. Good morning guys, this is Mike up here in phase two. I'm up here for my last week. I'm getting ready to go down to the farm in a week or so. Phase three's coming at you. This is a wild place up here. You guys down on the farm, you're gonna have fun when you get here. Phase three, I'm coming after you, so you better watch out. Till I see you, have a good day. Kilroy says hey. Hi brothers, this is Nate Ritchie here. I'm at Lancaster. I'm enjoying myself in the kitchen right now, cooking up a big meal for my brothers. Uh, I just want to tell everybody in the ministry, um, keep uh, Jesus in your life. Um, keep a positive attitude and when you have any troubles, find a brother um, that you can speak to about him because that's really what's getting me through every day. God bless. Hey there, this is uh, Lucas uh, in phase two. Uh, I just wanted to give a short message to the guys down at the farm. Um, I found Jesus there, and I know a lot of other guys uh, have too, and I can't think of any other or any better place to, to do that. So search after God and model after Jesus Christ.
Hey guys, it's Seth, Phase 2. I uh, just wanted to let you know I love you. I came into the ministry broken with no identity in Christ and running for myself for years. And now uh, I can stand firm and I can truly come boldly to the throne and understand that I have been redeemed. I love all my brothers. Being able to share in each other's burdens and to lift each other up and carry each other is a beautiful thing. So, uh, John 16, 33, Jesus says, Take heart, I have overcome the world towards the end of that. Um, hello, this is uh, Jason Brodnick, and I am here with radio testimony of uh, love, the love that's going on out here in Lancaster. Um, I just like to thank everybody for holding me accountable and loving me and all my brothers here. It's been one heck of a ride. Can't wait to see you this Saturday. Welcome to Encounters. Game on. Today we're reading Psalm 89 where we'll discover that God made a covenant with David that he would always have a descendant on his throne and that the Davidic line would rule forever. But Ethan, the Ezraite, had a problem. One of those Davidic kings had been defeated in war and had lost his throne. Now it seemed to Ethan that God had broken his covenant and that God was not faithful to his people. Faithfulness is the key word in this psalm, as we shall see. God's faithfulness is seen from generation to generation among His people and among the nations. We can also see God's faithfulness and toward David and his family. Ethan knew all of this because he knew the Scriptures. But recent events seem to deny the truthfulness of the covenant and the faithfulness of the Lord. Ethan's problem was caused by spiritual short-sightedness. Sometimes we can't see beyond our own noses and we begin to doubt God. The ultimate fulfillment of the Davidic covenant is, of course, in Jesus Christ, the Son of David, and He will reign forever and ever. God's faithfulness will never, can never, does not ever fail. Psalm 89, verses 1-13 through 13, A Psalm of Ethan the Ezraite I will sing of the tender mercies of the Lord forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. The Lord said, I have made a solemn agreement with David, my chosen servant. I have sworn this oath to him. I will establish your descendants as kings forever. They will sit in your throne from now until eternity." All heaven will praise your miracles, Lord. Myriads of angels will praise you for your faithfulness. For who in all of heaven can compare with the Lord? What mightiest angel is anything like the Lord? The highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He is far more awesome than those who surround His throne. O Lord God Almighty, where is there anyone as mighty as you, Lord? Faithfulness is your very character. You are the one who rules the oceans. When their waves rise in fearful storms, you subdue them. You are the one who crushed the great sea monster. 
You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours, and the earth is yours. Everything in the world is yours. You created it all. You created north and south, Mount Tabor and Mount Hermon. Praise your name. Powerful is your arm. Strong is your hand. Your right hand is lifted high in glorious strength. Proverbs chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. A person with good sense is respected. A treacherous person walks a rocky road. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't and even brag about it.